0: Hey everybody, it's me, Jcaps, and I am back. I am back doing another podcast. Yep, you guessed it. I'm here on the, um, shit. Did I just lower my voice down? What the hell am I doing? Damn it, did I just screw the show up right off the bat? I might have. And what's gonna happen then? (sighs) Ah, sometimes you just gotta breathe, take a deep breathe, and say fuck it. (sighs) Ah. Cool. Well, I hope you guys are doing good. I'm here. It's uh, the second week of January 2022. And I feel like I haven't fucked it up yet. So that's a good thing. Um, I might become a substitute teacher. Uh, Let's just say that I have a job as a substitute teacher, but I have not gone to it yet um, as of today. Um, But I still have a job as a Art teacher that I did go to today, so that's how my life is turning out this week. Um, But I'm also I'm also feeling all right, you know. I'm glad I'm still doing this podcast. Um, You know, the whole job having the jobs thing is really just to uh, get back to a somewhat financially secure place, so I can start working on my original love again, uh, grading animals. But the question. Is did I stop doing episodes because I ran out of money, or did something break inside of me? Hold on a second. Or did something break inside of me, and I was unable to have the lightness of heart that would enable me to re- to record an episode of Grading Animals for a few months? Yeah. Many have guessed it. Many in the audience have guessed it. Maybe I got depressed, you know? And like, like I say, out in the world, it's the law of the jungle. And uh, the minute you falter, uh, wolves come and attack you, and that's the end of you. So, you know, I um, but I think that I'm having a good 2022 and I think that uh, things are gonna be positive. In fact, Things are going to be like um, like, like a song that I love by Billie Holiday, Sunny Side of the Street. Billie Holiday recorded, I think, the Sunny Side of the Street version I'm thinking of, um, I think in the 50s or something like that. But that song is optimistic as hell, and I love it. And that's how I'm feeling toward 2022. And uh, I hope you guys are doing good, too. Well... I'm not going to dick around for too much because we have a lot of suggestions for the show today, and um, I don't know. Since I get, since I rarely get feedback on this podcast at all, I instinctively realize that maybe I'm making the intros too long and self-indulgent. So let's get into today's suggestions, um, and of course, uh, I have them as PNGs on my computer. Okay, so. First suggestion um, is from Jessica Rain01. And she writes animal husbandry. And animal husbandry, absolutely. I mean, if there was a suggestion that I 100% agree with, it's animal husbandry. Because the thing about animals is I already like them. In fact, I've proven it. I've I've proven it time and time again that there's one thing that you will say about me when I am gone is that he sure liked animals. And then to be able to marry animals together, not to myself, but just to marry different animals together and make them husbands, husband and wife. Husband, husband, and wife. Husband, wife, wife, husband, and husband. Wife and wife. I'm sorry for not putting that one out, but yes, I believe that animals should be able to marry whoever they want, and I think especially because they're animals, we could get way more creative combinations. Because you know, my my ultimate goal with if I ever get to be an animal um, efficient, like a guy who can marry animals like that's really like grading animals was a resume to get my officiating animal animal license when it comes to animal husbandry i want to get the um whatever paperwork i need to do in order to like get to marry them i don't know would i be a a rabbi would i marry jewish animals what do i have qualifications because that's first of all animals i think they believe in different stuff. Like, I wonder, do animals actually have little societies that are invisible to the human eye? Uh, like, I always do make a big... Like, the book Overstory makes a big claim that trees have this entire society. They talk, they speak languages to each other, they do all this shit, right? And, you know, I do believe that to some extent, but I'm also, like... I don't know, like, I guess in that book they're saying that, like... um the language is in wood and humans can't read the language of wood except to make houses or something anyway i'm not going to get com- i'm not going to get bogged down in whatever i remember from the overstory from 2 years ago when i have a great subject like animal husbandry to think about now i think animals also you know uh, they get they i think animals get to be a lot more promiscuous than humans because Humans like have to make sense of their own world in a what's what is to us a very um complicated arrangement of presentations. That's like what a life nowadays is also like how one presents themselves to the world. I think. Um and I don't know, do animals think about that sort of thing? Probably not. Or maybe they do. I mean, that's the thing. It's like have I ever really seen an animal? Do I even know what animals are? Do I even know what husbandry is? Do I can I can I even read? That's the question. That's the big question. So, to Jessica Rain, I feel like yes, one hundred percent animal husbandry, and I feel like animal husbandry also takes place on farms. Mm. All right, we are off to a really great start for this episode. Animal husbandry. Yes, I also know that animal husbandry has to do with, like, making animals fuck each other. I think, right? That's what it's supposed to be about. So, yeah, I would a 100% in getting my officiant license be able to just have animals fuck each other and I'll watch, draw it, take videos of it, jerk off to it. That sounds great. In fact... I'm, yeah, I'm in for either of those realities. Do people still believe in that theory? Remember that popular theory that was like, it was like, man, there's a million different universes happening right now at the same time. Does does anybody still believe in that anymore? Or is, have we settled on believing in, like, this uh, theory that this is a simulation? like which do you believe more that it's a simulate it's a simulation of a universe that where there's another universe going on that's also a simulation and all the universes are simulations um because i i feel like every every few years um some idea that's ultimately stupid but is related to the human condition comes out I guess political ideas are uh, popular examples of those, but um, we we uh, I think let's go to a new suggestion and let's see what uh, King Mexico has to say. King Mexico says the dolphin needs a word of podcast day. Hmm. That and what he's referring to is um, the dolphin that I had on a story. I don't know if you guys saw my foray into um, puppetry. Did you guys see when I had a dolphin on my stories? I forget how he talks, but the dolphin. Maybe I'll bring that dolphin back. Did you guys see it? If you guys see it, if you guys saw the dolphin on the stories, then make yourselves known. Otherwise, the the dolphin will never come back. That's how I'm going to handle that idea. Because, I don't know, I feel like, I just want to know if people are actually listening to the show. If not, uh, that's cool too. Then I'm, then I'm gonna like really take a load off, and it'll be like, hey, chill out, dude. Nobody's nobody pays attention to this shit anymore, which is I don't know, freeing in some way. But uh, anyway, let's see what Trash Irony manuel longtime listener, longtime friend of the show, Trash Irony Manuel and I believe a Long Island guy says. Maybe paint animals or something. I don't know. He just... He really just sort of like lobbed it in there. He's like, listen, I don't know, man. You want me to suggest something? <laughs> like, I'm just doing this because you're asking. Cool. Um, Yeah, paint animals. Well, I could paint animals. Um, You know, it's been cold. I have not been out to do watercolor since it's gone below freezing in New York. Because... On one hand, I've had a lot to do lately. My days are getting more filled with things hopefully taking off. But um, it's, the cold has really been... It snowed here. It snowed here in New York. And um, I was beginning to feel like winters were not going to ever happen again. Because the last... like I remember when I was a kid, and it would be snowy by November... But it does not get snowy in November anymore in New York, like for years. I mean, I'd say for like fucking 20 years at least. I don't know. I can't remember. But I feel like, I mean, I remember around September 11th uh, when I was like, these, these septembers, like after, like that year. The year before, like, they were always hotter hotter and hotter as fuck. What I'm saying is I believe in uh, global warming. And uh, global warming is, you know, it's hot. I mean, I think that it's definitely hot. Um, Anyway, but getting back to trash, irony, and renewal. Yeah, I mean, so, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I will paint them. Who knows? I mean, you're just, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I will do that. I don't know. Uh, The next suggestion comes from the Jason Tate. Shout out to Jason Tate, uh, Patreon supporter. Uh, He says, do I have any tattoos? If not, what would I get? I actually don't have any tattoos. And I've I've always been kind of adamant about it just because I don't want anything. I don't want anybody getting near me with any machines. I think the main thing I don't like about tattoos is the idea that Somebody's just going to grab my arm and very viciously draw on me? No, get the fuck away from me. I don't want That's that sounds like it hurts the entire time. Why would I allow that to happen? Um yeah. I mean, so yeah, so ultimately I'm a big pussy. That's the that's the main understanding behind that last statement. So also and I don't want anything written on me because I want to keep I want to keep my body exactly as it came in the the, originally. I'm one of the, like when I buy, if I ever bought a comic book, I also don't take it out of the wrapper. I'm like, I like keeping things nice. Like sometimes if I do play with my toys, I will like, I don't want them to get scuffed. You know what I mean? I consider getting a tattoo is getting very scuffed. Then you're like permanently scuffed. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like the idea of that. If I would get a tattoo, What would I get if I got a tattoo? First of all, I would have to have had something change my mind about it. But then, what would I get? Um, Well, I guess I would allow myself to get tattooed wherever I could not see myself. Like, maybe, now I'm understanding the concept that women had when they started to do tramp stamps. Because they're like... I'm never going to really see it with my with my own eyes. It'll be out of sight, out of mind unless I look in the mirror that way. Actually, probably I don't know. Maybe maybe that's how it went down. I was just thinking like, yeah, the only way that's going to work if <laughs> if women who got tramp stamps had the exact same brain as me. And I'm like, no, nah, that's probably they probably don't. I think we probably are maybe on two different wavelengths, possibly. But that's just because I never got a tramp stamp, and I don't know what how, what the mindset would be to get one. But now I'm like, wait, if I got a tramp stamp, then I would hardly be able to actually look at it because of the way my back bends. And that might make the tattoo pill easier to swallow. Um, so now I'm thinking tramp stamp. The answer, Jason Tate is if I had to get a tattoo, I would get a tramp stamp. Okay. The Truman Show, Go uh, new suggestion from the Truman Show, underscore, 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 underscore. And he said, how many aggressive five-year-olds could you take on in a battle and win? I mean, yeah, this is a great question. And it's a question I feel that has really been addressed in the world. And, I mean, I feel like I've addressed it in my life, but... I know, of course, like, at my age, even though, like, I'm getting older now and, like, I'm not as super strong as I used to be, I'm still in pretty good shape. And, yeah, I mean, if you can use, if you can use weapons and cars, buses, if you can get in control of a bus and, like, drive into, like, a, a school or something or, like, over, you know, just anywhere, then you could really take them out. But the thing about it is I actually now... Since my nephew is five, know a few five-year-olds, and I'm like really close with my nephew. Like, means so much to me. Like my best friend, truly, truly in this world. And that that's like a very important thing to me. I mean, my friendship with my nephew, my sister's son, is like so like overwhelmingly powerful. But also since I'm since I've made such a connection with my nephew, and he's five, I know five-year-old's weaknesses. So, like, as to your question, The Truman Show, I mean, I'm so much more of a formidable opponent against five-year-olds now with my allyship with my nephew. So, yeah, in this question of how many, I mean, if I really set my mind to it in the millions, you know? Because, you know, it's like, you gotta be a mastermind about this shit. Anyway. So... The next suggestion comes from uh, Ice Coffee and Cigarettes, great friend of the show. And also, whenever I do a live, if he's on the live, he can sometimes parse out what I'm talking about. And also, uh, he's been known to throw in the occasional zinger. You know, it is very hard to find somebody who can really throw a zinger. You know, it's a very difficult pitch to master. Uh, but it, but but uh, ice coffee and cigarettes always is there with a zinger. So he asks, uh, well, he suggests living somewhere with seasons versus not. Example, L.A. versus New York. Well, as you guys know, New York is my hometown. I'm from New York, so I definitely like the idea of seasons. And even as I was mentioning before, it has been getting hotter and september, so basically the fall in new york is not what it used to be like i feel like it just stays hotter for so much longer and it like you know sometimes september can have a chill where it you really do notice a distinct lack of sun and that that um changes the quality of the air but um it's been so, like, difficult. I mean, not difficult. But it's been so crazy to see how that has changed in my lifetime, whereas, like, summer lasts longer. So, I don't know. L.A., I've been to a couple times. I've never, like, lived in L.A. or, like, have been there for any stretch of time where I can imagine not experiencing seasons um, for, like, a whole year. But that's also because... I mean, it would be interesting. I don't know. Will I one day move from the East Coast? Who is to say? I think that one of my big, um, I don't know, not shortcomings, but something that I have trouble with is the ability to imagine far into the future. Sometimes people have um, dreams that propel them into different places or different like imaginations of a life and they imagine a house or like a different place or like a fantasy world that doesn't exist yet i have trouble with that in that i can imagine things in the future that i wish for like there like for instance this year One of the things that I hope to make a reality is the next season of, of Mares and Caps that we've been writing for four years, and we're done with it, and we're ready to produce it. That is something that I know I wanted to bring into being, and that seems like it's happening for this year. Like That's where my life is sort of leaning into. But I have never imagined my lifestyle different i never thought oh i will be around palm trees on in an island biome that's something that's never been um something that hangs in my imagination so as the years have passed i've like not i've like oh i never you know some people move move around but i didn't move from the east coast i sort of love it here um yeah some people have like you know when they travel they're like finding something or they're going for like some type of um pursuit and that brings them around but um i don't know i guess i lived i've always lived near new york city so it's always been that's the thing that has um that i've orbited anyway i don't know if that one was interesting or not but let's move on to the next suggestion and that is from Richie Rich forty two eighty eight, who is uh, a, who's been very supportive on the show. Let's shout out Richie Rich forty two eighty eight. And he goes, "Why do I think?" Why he goes, "Why do you think you'd get canceled?" And that's an interesting question. I feel like I just would assume canceling is the same thing as like any like predator prey relationship in any ecosystem. I mean. It's like, you know, the dinosaurs got canceled by the asteroid. When you think about it, the, you know, the dinosaurs have been going on, doing all sorts of stuff. Who knows how? I would imagine the dinosaurs were very offensive to a lot of groups, especially to mammals. I think I think mammals ultimately were um, probably the butt of a lot of dinosaur jokes, I would assume. I mean, and did dinosaurs not appreciate. M- mammals, probably not. I mean, I also imagine that dinosaurs would be very... Um, I don't know. I would actually like to see the body of work that dinosaurs had created during the dinosaur eras. Like, I think a lot of their buildings and stuff got knocked down by the asteroid. And I, and how the how the mammals teamed up with the asteroid to take out the dinosaurs, I wish I knew. I wish I could be a fly encased in amber on the wall of that conversation when the because mammals when dinosaurs are lived mammals um, were like mice capybaras really they were just capybaras for hundreds of millions of years until dinosaurs got bounced got they got cancelled so yeah I mean then I think like why do I think I get I would get cancelled why do I Jonathan Kaplan think that I'd get cancelled I mean because here's the thing if you might have if you, I don't know if I don't I don't make it a big thing but um I am I was uh, I was for a, for a time uh Jewish but I got kicked out of Hebrew school when I was like 11. and you know I, the and the people that I was associated with at that time the Jewish people they actually got cancelled by the Germans in 1945 or 1939 30, 39 40 they were they were totally canceling jews in um in uh, germany during the 30s especially because and again jews are uh, comedians often C- comedy has always been a a highly jewish cultural thing and um yeah and you know they're very st- the nazis i heard were very strict with their like they didn't like a lot of they didn't like a lot of modern art they didn't like a lot of things so obviously they would be canceled and i think culturally a little of that fear of getting canceled comes into my own understanding of the world. Like, I would just assume that, like, sometimes, you know, like, actually, in October of this year, I almost got canceled by a car who, who T-boned me. So, you know, I think that everybody's got to watch out because they're, like, you can never tell where a cancellation might be around the corner. So it's just something that, like, we all live with and we all have to pay attention to in our own existences. Uh, The next, um, the next uh, suggestion is also for, uh, from Richie Rich. And he goes, who would win Mothman or Sasquatch? Hmm. That's a great question. That's also, and really thank you, Richie Rich for keeping this show alive because uh, these suggestions are truly the lifeblood of the show uh, because I decided to make that the gimmick of the show. So, Yeah, I definitely want to uh, hear your suggestions and make fun of them. Or just, I will, whatever your suggestion makes me think of, I'm going to say. And that's, in a way, just like grading animals, except I'm not going to, like, spend a lot of time writing it down. I'm just going to really reflect back from whatever stupid worldview that I have, all right? Cool. So Mothman and Sasquatch is... Mothman is uh, a hairy bug. He's a hairy bug man. Um, But every time I've seen, like, Frank Frazetta draw a picture of Mothman, he doesn't draw Mothman covered in fur. But I would imagine Mothman is completely, like, he looks like a yak. He looks like a human yak. So, and does Mothman fly? Or is he a disgusting giant bug? That's terrifying. Is he a man, really? How much... What's the what's the uh, percentage split on Mothman? If he is 80% man, 20% moth, then I'm in. I think he's a cool character. But he, if he is 80% moth and 20% man, then I am out. I do not support Mothman. In fact, I th- would think that that much bug that's big... Kill it immediately. I would want to somehow communicate with Sasquatch. I know he wrote a book not too long ago, and um, I don't know if he has an email address. He definitely, Sasquatch 100% lives in Canada, by the way. Sasquatch, because I think I've said it on the show before, Canada is like so gigantic. It's the, the, the amount of space up there, it's like a whole entire Australia, and they only have as many people as the state of California and they're split up between Toronto and Vancouver. And th- and then th- then they're just lightly sprinkled all over the rest of the area. There's a bunch of forests over there that they're cutting down like as as much as they're like lawn mowing the fo- they're lawn mowing the forest and they still can't get through it. And I'm 100% sure Sasquatch lives in there and I hope that Sasquatch is literally punching Mothman to death and just eating him. I'm sure Mothman is a good sustenance. A moth that like that I would Im- I would imagine you could cook it, especially with the man because the Mothman means that he has some human meat on the bones, a perfect delicacy for Sasquatch. That sounds delicious. So, yes, I think I hope Sasquatch Easily defeats Mothman and then devours him. All right, cool. And the next suggestion also is from Richie Rich 4288, who I think may be the other listener of the show. This is great. So he says, You should get hot babes on the show. I think that's a great idea. I think, uh, yeah, let's let some hot babes on the show we'll put uh, that is a something uh, we'll put a little ding in there for to, to remind us we'll ping it okay so that's a cool idea we should we should see if well if any hot babes are listening and want to be on the show i guess let me know or let richie rich know he'll forward them to me no i don't know um actually i am going to have guests on the show i'm going to have all types of guests in fact i would say that several of them are hot babes so I don't know, maybe we'll start having guests in well, we gotta have it in twenty twenty two. What what week? We'll start it. We'll start it up. I'm just getting this podcast started. So I wanna see that I can be somewhat interesting for an hour, as long as I have a lot of suggestions to hinge off of. All right. Um next suggestion is from Richie Rich forty two eighty eight, a uh, big fan of the show, who says start a cult. Ah, oh, Richie Rich, you have such faith in me, but um, I was barely even able to start a successful Instagram page. All right, we finally got through the Richie Rich suggestions and are on to another person who has a lot of suggestions for the show, and has a great suggestion for the show right off the top. And by the way, the suggestion, the, the the suggesting person I am talking about is of course Richie Rich forty two eighty eight. No, I'm actually kidding. Uh, we're done with his suggestions. We are on to the other listener of the show, Adam Cloud, who t- who asks us a great question. He says, "Tell us about those sweet Moonska Records days." Ah, this is probably one of my favorite questions. Um, Moon Ska Records, Moon Ska Records. What was that whole thing about? Uh, Well, let's go back. Let's go back in time to the year, let's go back in time to the year 1997. Um, I used to work at Moon Ska Records in 1997 to 1999 in New York City. It was the best fucking thing, and I'm so lucky that I got to work there. I got to work around all these touring bands. I got to meet um, Laurel Aiken. Uh, fucking, it was incredible. There were shows at the wetlands. Uh, damn it, it was like such a wonderful time in New York City. But yes, I got to work there, and um, here's how it all happened. So, back in 1996, 97, uh, there's... There was uh, a ska boom. Like, you know, everybody knows about this. It was like essentially they call it the third wave of ska. And a big reason for that were like bands like the Mighty Mighty Bostones. And, but in New York, there was a band called the Toasters. This guy, Bucket Hingley, who was basically, as it turned out, just a rich kid from England with a ska band. And he, he really like, wanted to be in his band and do his band. And he had the money to do it. And he came to New York and he had this band and they were successful in New York and they were an anchor point of the early New York ska scene. And he started a record label to put out ska music in the early eighties. And one of the people who started working with him was this guy, uh, uh Steven Schaefer. And Steven Schaefer was one of the, so he and the and Bucket and all the original people who were part of the band, uh, they started like a skeleton label. And um it lasted, it went, it went and, you know, I guess this was happening all around America. Like there's a documentary. In fact, uh what is it? Um I think Vice has a side channel called Noisy. And they made a documentary about it, called I think even what's his name, the guy from Operation Ivy, the guy from Rancid, um, <laughs> the guy from Rancid, uh, he uh, narrates it. Anyways, to talk about this exact thing. So yeah, so I got to work at Moon Sky Records because in so in 1997 um, and 96 there was a real like boom on Long Island of people writing zines, and this was this was probably like echoing a larger thing as well, just like Ska, but like this alternative culture, you know, and zines were becoming just things that people did. So when that came to like my childhood or whatever, I decided to make a zine. And uh, the Long Island voice at the time was a, a subsidiary of the Village Voice, that, that like, covered Long Island, and they wrote about my zine in the paper along with a bunch of different zines from Long Island because a lot of kids were doing this at the time. And um, I got to meet all these type of, like, weirdo kids around my town and around Long Island at large. And one of the people... It turned out that in my town of Valley Stream... There were like three other people who were doing that. Now the thing about my town, Valley Stream, is there are like some creative people that have come out of Long, come out of Valley Stream in particular, and it has its own sort of unique vibe. Um, Steve Buscemi went to Central High School where I would end up teaching, and was the like. Like it was North, South, and Central District. It was like one district with those three schools. And Steve Buscemi was making like indie films when, like, we were all teenagers. He even he even made his movie Trees Lounge and shot it in in Valley Stream when everyone was in like tenth, ninth, and tenth grade. So like kids we knew were extras in the movie. So I don't know. I guess like there was always like a, a like. A little like bit of an alternative spirit that was in Valley Stream. There was this band called Sleeposaurus that was like kind of known, and I I know they were based in Valley Stream. We had a cool record store. So anyway, the Long Island Voice wrote this article, and um, one of the other kids on in Valley Stream was this kid named Adam uh, Liebling, and he had a ska zine called Two Left Feet, and his ska zine was super popular, and he was an incredible networker. Like, he was able to talk his way into, like, or not even talk his way. He would connect with people all over the, like, all over the universe. He was incredible at, at that. And so when I met him, we, like, we went into each other's orbit, and I started writing for his zine, like just writing little guest funny pieces, and then we ended up making a few episodes of a zine together. And when we became friends, he who was he was actually working at Moonska already, and he was just like, "Come in and be an intern." He pulled the strings for me to co- go into the New York store and um, become like part of the part of the team. And from I think. Uh, 97 to 99, we were in, uh, 2nd Avenue, oh no, Avenue A, and, um, fucking 3rd, no, Avenue A, and 1st, or something like that. We were all the way in, uh, the Lower East Side, in this little tiny closet of a space. So there was only, like, one counter, and it was just, like, a little... Like, almost like you could you would probably just have a coffee, sh- like a little coffee kiosk in that space, but it was the whole operation. And when I would go there, I would go there sometimes after school, after high school, and then on the weekends, and it was all just folding up newsletters in the back, just folding up newsletters. There were so many people from all over America who had signed up for the Moonska newsletter— and which was a catalog of all like ska albums, ska CDs, and and rare, hard to find discs from everywhere, and um, yeah, that's what I did for like a long time until ska got so big in America that they were able to move over to like Tenth Street in uh, all, all, between Third and Fourth Avenues, and that was like, uh, two. That must have been fucking. I guess ninety eight or ninety nine. I don't remember. Ninety nine, maybe. And um, that was the store that, like, a lot of people came to. But I think that so that's when when basically, I don't know, maybe I have my years wrong. I think maybe they did, maybe we moved there in ninety eight. I can't remember. But what whichever it was, by ninety nine, emo was starting to come, and ska totally died and so the store started closing down um and so i i was i got i got let go i think by 2000 like maybe mid 2000 or even earlier but moon records was such a important time for me because i don't know being around real bands like there were uh at the time, I wanted to. I thought that like maybe a life in music would be the thing that I, w- I would want to do. And then I was working at a place where it was a popular music form that had a great energy and a great history. And live shows were like available for me to go to whenever I wanted to. Like I could get in free for all the the promotional shows. That they would have at like the at the Wetlands was which was this awesome wooden club down on Varick Street, um, and it like it was a very wooden and resonant place. Like when bands would play, that it really would like warm up the whole environment. It was really great. Um, it had like a low ceiling. It was a really cool space for a show. Uh, it was it had this like weird like renegade environmental actually the weird thing is the people who were who uh were in the Earth Liberation front the um radical uh the people they blew up places for environmental justice but they ended up blowing up the wrong places and like just you know how it goes but anyway they met up at uh at at the wetlands so that's cool um I don't know so yeah when I think about that I also think about being young I, I happen to get that that have that thing happen to me when i was like 17 18 19 20 and um i don't know i feel gl- i feel like lucky to have been around this thing that was like a sort of a, a phenomenon a subculture and i was got i got to be pretty close to it um i also learned about how like a tour works you know i would i would eventually go on tour with my band years later and uh like i i learned how to like send out shit to send out press kits to to newspapers and like uh c- call them every few weeks and like keep a maintain like a um like a, a contact inventory and and all the things that you got to do to promote something uh it was really like instructive and i met great people i had like um like the crew at moonsky records was so awesome like adam um my friend uh, ray Manude. Stephen Schaefer, like I said, um, like, I, I feel like there were so many other, there were so many other people, there were so many other creative people that would come through, but like, uh, those three guys were, were like my pals, and um, like, I mean, to this day, I'm friends with them, we're not not super close, we've all lost touch, but we've got together like once in, once every few years, and it really is great to see everybody, and we all have a lot of laughs, and that's like the best So, um, thank you, Moonsky, for all the good memories. I'm so lucky to have worked at Moonsky Records or even know what that whole thing was about while it was happening. So, cool. Thanks, Adam Cloud. But let's not stop there. Adam Cloud has a trillion more suggestions, so let's hear them. So, um, the next suggestion said... He once saw a website that said dolphins like an interspecial relations as an animal grader. Would I ever ever have sex with the dolphin's toy on cam? Uh, Would I ever have sex with the dolphin toy on cam? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, But, you know, maybe, because one thing that I'm interested in, I talked about this in the beginning, is animal husbandry, and I think I have to be open. If I'm going to uh if I'm going to marry animals together with other animals, then I should be a little bit less judgmental if uh if I want to have sex with a dolphin stuffed animal. Now, whether I would do it for the enjoyment of others. First of all, if I really have a connection with that with a dolphin puppet, then then I'll like if I have a, a true connection, then yes, like that is between myself and the puppet. But, uh, well, I don't even know what I was saying. But I, I'm basically I'm saying that like would I put it on? I don't know. I'm still people have asked me about doing an OnlyFans, and I don't know that I'm going there. I'm actually like I said, I'm I, I'm going to try to be a substitute teacher first. If that fails, and I have literally no other options, I will, I will do an OnlyFans. And when when I have one, if I already am gonna, you know, like they say on Breaking Bad, no half measures. I guess I will do one uh, like pay pay tier that will be me uh, having sex with the uh, the puppet dolphin that I have. That's actually just my hands jerking myself off because obviously that's what people would have, would be coming to the uh, the the OnlyFans page for. So all right, cool. So that was a great suggestion. Um, Adam Tan, so we'll give that one, um, we'll give that one um, a ding. I think we'll give that one a ding. Okay, so next suggestion is, uh, if a spooky action only happens at a distance, why is it so spooky? Says Adam Tan Cloud. Adam Tan Cloud what again Adam 10 who you may be listening to this uh what is your screen name mean um and also what does this suggestion mean if if spooky action only happens at a distance why is it so spooky hmm spooky action if spooky action only happens at a distance why is it so spooky many of you guys are listening and thinking, what the fuck am I talking about? But those who heard the message have already stopped what they were doing and mobilized, because that sentence is my call to arms for my cult. Many people don't realize that. Earlier in this episode, I did start a cult, and now I have everybody brainwashed. If spooky action only happens at a distance, why is it so spooky? That sentence activates the cult members and makes them stop what they're doing, and then they put on their dolphin puppet and jerk themselves off. Maybe they might be at work. They might be working in a kiosk, a, a, a coffee kiosk that was once the site of moonscar Records. They have, to, they have to do it there. They might be, um, I don't know, somewhere else. So Somewhere else, like fighting Mothman and Sasquatch. You know, watching Mothman with a watching Sasquatch eat Mothman with a binoculars on, and then you have to drop the binoculars and start jerking yourself off. So that's kind of what the cult. That's kind of what the cult is doing right now. And thank you, Adam Tan, for that wonderful suggestion. Um, okay, Adam Tan again have, with the fucking home runs with these suggestions was. Uh, some say self-discipline is more important than getting BJs. Your thoughts. Adam Cloud. Some say self-discipline is more important than getting BJs. This is, this is a very privileged... Um, Adam Tan, a guy who prides himself on uh, talking about privilege, I, I, I'd think. I don't know if that's true. I'm just going to say that for the, for the bit. But um, some would say self-discipline is more important than getting BJs. Your thoughts. I'm like, who goes through life thinking that they are owed a BJ from the world. Getting BJs is not a thing that that I talk about so cavalierly. BJs, BJs is a thing that happens like once a year. BJs is a thing that like you, if you're playing your cards right and you got a BJ, like that's like a, a winning the lottery, I thought. I, I've i gone through life, listen, I've scarce come across BJs in my lifetime but and I've always cherished the opportunity. So, to to talk to talk about self discipline to talk about bj as if it's some type of um uh what do you call currency is i find i find to be very privileged that's privileged talk to me self discipline is more important than getting bjs yeah i guess self discipline is also more th- more important than being a billionaire but uh you know i don't know so that's my i guess those are my thoughts on adam tan's suggestion um this is a. I mean, this is a pretty good. I mean, I'm glad. I'm very happy though that he suggested something at all because the problem with this, um, with this uh, podcast, is that I just don't have enough suggestions. And then I start to worry. I start to worry whether the whole endeavor was a good one. But um, you know, the I, but but little do they know I have something up my sleeve. I. I even even when the suggestions run run out i still have a few ideas which is taking the mic out of the hol- the holster and just looking at random shit in my apartment cuz if i can't make content from that then i'll then i'm really in a sorry state so let's see what's going on um oh yeah i got to say that i will talk about uh, one of these things that I've been really kind of getting into. Um, it's my hobby. My hobby of uh, painting. Do you guys know about that? Uh, give me, um, uh, what do you call it? Give me a, a couple of pumps on your genitals if you knew about my watercolor endeavors. Um, anyways, yeah, I, uh, I got myself a small gift uh, I showed it on the Instagram lives, but I got, I got myself a small gift for my, for my um, my watercolor hobby, and I'll tell you about them. And any of you guys who are out there, and consider yourselves aspiring artists, can hear my uh, my little uh, this little uh, not review, but little check out these art supplies, and you can think, oh, maybe I will. buy myself a similar gift and then i don't know that seems fun so anyway i got these two gifts on the recommendation of uh looking at james gurney blog do you guys know about james gurney the guy who made up dinotopia the most fun book of all time um a book i did not have as a kid by the way i wish i had i wish i had dinotopia did you guys grow up with dinotopia if you guys grew up with Dinotopia, that's pretty tight. Um, I didn't have Dinotopia. I did have the Gnome's book. Well, no, I actually didn't even have the Gnome's book. I only saw the Gnome's book in the library. And, yeah, the library, uh, me and my sister would go to the library and look at uh, the Gnome book. And the, and for those who were on the live the time when I did it, but uh, when I talked about uh, the Gnome book, like on page like 12 is a, a picture of... Uh, like a bare-chested female gnome, and she's great. I mean, she's one. It's one of the. It's one of the hottest pictures of all time. One of the. One of the true classics of all time. Uh, of of the topless gnome, so me and my sister, as kids, both agreed. Uh, but anyway, so I got my so um no, but I never had uh Dinotopia, um but the guy who painted Dinotopia is a real. One of those people on the internet who's super helpful and gives a lot of smart information out. Um, he teaches, like, he basically teaches his drawing ability online among, like, being a fucking famous artist. But he suggested that when you do watercolor or gouache too, you can underpaint the paper with this stuff called casein. And it's also water-based. It's milk-based, so it doesn't rub off in the water or something like that. So basically, you can have paper, and you can underpaint the paper. So I got myself a small set of casein for underpainting, and it has some good colors in it. It's got raw umber, a classic, a classic underpainting color, burnt sienna, not to be outdone by—raw umber, not to be outdone by burnt sienna— one of the greatest brown colors of all time. I would say that burnt sienna totally steals brown. Brown, it's like I think when people pick brown as a color they feel embarrassed. They're like, "Oh yeah, um I'll have brown." You know, they feel like they're afraid that somebody is going to just give them like a poop emoji. But when you say like burnt umber, it's so regal. It's awesome. Burnt umber, it's great and raw and raw, and raw Umber, and Burnt Sienna. Burnt Sienna, Raw Umber, I don't have Burnt Umber, but that's another good one. Let's give a shout-out. Even though I only have Raw Umber and Burnt Sienna, let's give a shout-out to uh, Burnt Umber as well, because Burnt Umber doing big things. Doing big things. yes. Um, so, moving on, I also have... So, in this set, it's a set of six. So, I told you about Raw Umber and Burnt Sienna. And, you know, pour one out for burnt umber. But then I have permanent blue. Oh, no, not permanent blue. It's permasole blue. Permasol blue, a blue I have never heard of in my lifetime. I've never heard of anything with the adjective permasole. What the fuck does permasole mean? A permasole. I almost imagine it's a perm... That's a parasol like somebody got their hair permed and then arranged around their face to resemble an umbrella. So it's like a, a hair umbrella. Hair that's permed and molded into a gigantic umbrella is a permasol and a, a blue and this paint is named after a permasol blue. So that's cool. I haven't used that color. I've only used one color to to do this underpainting technique. And it's the next color that I'm going to tell from this six-color set. Um, I have yellow ochre. Guys, shout-out to ochre. Shout-out to yellow ochre. I don't know the other ochres family. I only know yellow ochre. But I do like that it's not just yellow. It's yellow ochre. They could have called it well, they couldn't have called it mustard. It's not quite mustard. It's yellow, but it's not like yellow like a like a McDonald's yellow. That's yellow is like that. McDonald's yellow is yellow. But yellow ochre is a different thing. And I do like I, I do respect yellow ochre. I think it's it's a situation like burnt sienna where it's like it really makes the color sound a lot better than it's it, it's like red, blue, you're going you're gonna to be a color with just one boring name like that. Purple. Like these real primary name color. But then you get to colors like Permasol Blue. That's what I'm talking about. That's like a. No one's going to fuck with. Per, well, Permasol Blue. Nah, you might get fucked with. I mean, unless like it's like Killer Blue comes along and, and beats the shit out of Permasol Blue. Sounds sounds a little sus if you ask me. So uh yeah, yellow ochre is cool. Yellow ochre in the building. And the last two colors we got is cadmium red pale, which is like you everybody has heard of cadmium red, but what I'm noticing about casein is they got everybody's got to be a little bit special. Cadmium red pale. It's not cadmium red, it's cadmium red but not as um not as dark. It's pale. It's is cadmium red racist, calling itself pale? Is it is a cadmium red pale a white supremacist? I don't know. I mean, if you're a white supremacist of paints, it's probably a lot less bad than being right a white supremacist of people. That would be bad. That's like unacceptable. But if you're a paint, if you're like yourself a paint, like you can be color supremacist if you're a paint because you're not a human. But that's, yeah, so cadmium red, you're still, we're not going to put you in a separate um, uh, uh, underpainting set of six case because you're called cadmium red pale. You're allowed to be, because what that means is a distinction of the color and of nothing else. That's pretty cool to be just a simple paint and not in this evil world that we live in. And the last, and the last um, paint in the Richardson case and underpainting set of six is Payne's gray, and that's um, that's a gray color, but it's a little bit blue. I never heard of Payne's gray before watercolor, but in watercolor, Payne's gray is a big, huge thing. Payne's watercolor is the biggest thing in watercolor. If if you guys didn't know, I can tell if you know shit about watercolor by the amount you know about Payne's Gray. If you don't know shit about Payne's Gray, then guess what? You don't know shit about watercolor, all right? So, just to to let you know. um, And Riches and Casein, so I got Casein. So that's my underpainting set of six Casein. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, motherfuckers. And not to be outdone, I'm not done going through. If you thought I was done... Doing what I do best, which is finding a list of things and then making up nonsense about them all day long. The only thing that I'm even talented at. If you could call it a talent and not a mental illness. The next thing I got for myself as a little present was none other than the legendary watercolor pencils known as Caran D'Ache. You guys... Also, if you never heard of a uh, karen then you just don't know shit about um, high end art supplies, <laughs> or you never tried to treat yourself. If you probably saw karen and you are like, "Yikes, that shit is expensive," and it is. I got this eighteen pencil set for thirty dollars. That's a lot per pencil. Th- eighteen for thirty is over a dollar a pencil. By, I guess I'm. I don't know. Like tw- I don't know. Like Two or something? How many times does eighteen go to go into thirty? What do I look like a fucking calculator? I have no idea. I I know more than once. How about that? I mean, I can tell you that much. So these pencils are fucking good, okay? And I I didn't obviously buy the big set of them because it's like four hundred dollars, and who the fuck can do that? Only one person I know, James Gurney, the creator of DinoTopia cuz he says that these things are good and that's where i'm at bro i don't believe in anything but i do believe in the magic of supplies and i'll tell you this man the magic of supplies sometimes is real like people said it for years they're like that they're like um you know you don't need to get like photoshop but like you do need to get photoshop photoshop is better than all the other photo editing programs out there I don't care what you say. And Photoshop is the same thing as Caran d'ache pencils. It's the tool for the job. So, yeah, so this Caran d'ache pencils, let's go through all the colors. <laughs> let's go through all the colors cuz this is this is what we're doing today because and and if you don't like this, then you when I put up that suggestion thing, you better start suggesting shit because when I don't get suggestions, I do one thing and one thing only. I find a list of things? All right, I said that already. All right, sorry about that. All right, so what we got here, yo. All right, the Caran this is like an unboxing video. <laughs> so the karandosh pencil set comes with a bunch of stickers. And the stickers are of, it's a sticker of a pencil. <laughs> it's a sticker of two pencils, a sticker of two crayons and a sticker of two markers, and a sticker of one brush. But it's not like kid style. It's done in like a, a very professional. It's a pretty cool sticker. It's see-through. So the only lines on it are the white edges of like those pencil shapes or the the um, those like markers or whatever. And then it comes with a see-through piece of paper that um, says that they've been making these pencils for 100 years. So that's pretty cool. And then it comes with, now it comes with a color called June, Jaune Citron, and it says, lemon yellow. Oh, okay, that's lemon yellow. Is a Jaune Citron, Jaune, Cit- jaune Citron is that a that also could be a a, a character J A U N E, Jaune, Jaune Citron. I never heard of yellow being Jaune like jaundice I guess jaundice did you guys ever have jaundice i never really even knew what jaundice meant i guess thank i guess thank god who still has have you guys ever gotten jaundice how do you get jaundice do you get it from getting scared could you watch a movie and get jaundice or does it come from staying out in the sun too long i think it's the staying out in the sun sun too long like that's why it's yellow Um, yeah, I think it's, like, yellow. Oh, shit, dude. No, I think it's, like, um... No, I don't know. How do you get jaundice? I think that, um... Is it from not eating, like... It's from, like, from eating? I think if you eat things that are yellow or you're near yellow things, like, if you... Like, maybe I should not even be holding this crayon. This is probably... I could get jaundice if I look at this shit too long. I'm gonna... All right, I'll, I'll go through these two yellow co- colors quick because I don't want to fucking... I just put that shit down. Um, then they have just straight-up orange and, ew, straight-up John. They have John. Ew, ew, dude. I don't want to fucking get John on me. So they named both of the colors yellow uh, John. I don't know what language that's in. Is that French? I've never seen John as a, um, as a color. I mean, as a... a, a maybe... Maybe I have never been around the block. All right, the next color up is scarlet, Escarlet. Scarlet. Scarlet, Scarlet Johansson. Do you guys like Scarlett Johansson? Do you guys ever remember? What's your favorite movie of Scarlett Johansson? Um, I'll tell you one, and I, and I. This is the, and this is the first thing I thought of. I did think of the 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 opening scene. In, um, what is it? I forgot the name of the movie, but it's her butt. Um, yes, I, did, I do remember that part. It's, um... Damn, I can't even remember the name of that movie. Um, no, but she was in... She, I, you know what I've never seen her in? I've never seen the, um... The Marvel movies. Where she plays Black Widow? Damn, I've literally never seen a Marvel movie. So anyway, this scarlet pencil is pretty nice. Um, and I also I think Scarlett Johansson's pretty nice too. All right, Carmine. Carmine. That sounds like a the name of a mobster. So this pencil is pretty cool. Then coming right up is a purple. All right. Yeah, yeah this is not. I thought this is this is this is a dumb idea. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. I think that is a mental illness so yeah we're gonna we're just gonna keep it moving and I kind of have no idea where I am on the tape because I had to stop it before um, to get some water so yeah let's just scoot over let's scoot over to see what's a, what's a happening in tonight on the news. The, a man with a terminal heart disease gets a transplant of a genetically modified pig heart. Hey, that's not a way to talk about that guy's wife like that. All right. In a first, um, the U.S. search surgeons transplant pig heart into human patient. These surgeons have no mercy. And, they just really did not like this guy's wife very much. Why would they continue article after article just calling this guy's wife a pig and saying they transplanted a pig heart into human for first time? What a horrible, mean joke to do on a guy in this time. Look at this. Every paper after paper. Um, fucking USA Today. First ever heart transplant from gene-edited pig offers hope for thousands in need of organs. Fucking horrible. Say this shit about the guy's wife. Like that's a that's a woman you're talking about. That's the that's the that's his wife. She deserves better. Why do you why would you just say that about this person? Doctors Yeah. Baltimore doctors transplant pig heart into patient in experiment last dead okay so that one's not as mean. But let's see. Um All right. So you can you can CRISPR genome edit a pig's heart so it can be successfully transplanted to a human? That's right, we just did it. I don't know. All right, so some people are just, I guess, sharing the meme, too. All right, so that's very interesting. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that we, at this time we would have that technology to, to just take see this is exactly what I'm talking about this is why animals and humans should be husbanded together because the more we intermix the more we'll be able to use each other's parts and then we won't worry so much about like people getting sick because like it's like that saying it's like this every plank on this ship got replaced um, in 20 years it will be a different ship It's like the same thing like you get 20 transplants and after a while you're no longer a human you're a pig or a different animal, whatever. It could be any animal, you know. So I'm all for it. I think that that's a really, like, really wonderful thing that they're doing right now. So that's we're going to put a point up on the board for them. All right, so let's look at this news story about what's happening in here. And it says, A New York mayor revises death toll to 17 in Bronx apartment fire and calls the tragedy unspeakable. All right, so apparently the New York mayor, he went around and he, I guess, it was telling everybody that 16 people had died in the Bronx apartment uh, fire that has just, um, like, obviously been not very cool to, to have a fire. Um, but but people who were, um, you know, the, the people who survived were very angry because the New York, May, uh, New York mayor... Fucking he didn't even wasn't even thinking of this one person who had died. He was like just ignoring them like a like a real piece of shit. Just being like, yeah, even though everyone was like, there's one more person missing, he's like, nah, I don't give a shit. I'm just gonna say it was 16 people. But now finally, after, you know, probably some pressure, and also maybe he changed in his own soul, and he was like, you know what, I shouldn't just leave this one also burnt to death guy out. I should also mention him among the dead, out of respect. Maybe who knows? Maybe the guy who he was saying was not saying that he died. Maybe New York Mayor was trying to hold out hope, or maybe he was like they had a personal uh, beef with each other that that the general public doesn't know about, and so like, you know, it took him a day to like find his higher self and mention that that he died. All right, so uh, not sure how that last one landed, but, you know, that's when we when you do a show alone, you just got to have to uh, trust in your own um, instinct of saying stupid shit about horrible tragedies. Um, yeah. So what's next? Oh, God, let's talk about Bob Saget. So apparently Bob Saget's family broke the silence after his death. He was everything to us. Um, Bob Saget, of course, you know, the comedian and a favorite father on Full House uh, died like yesterday. Tragically, who, you know, who realized that he was going to. Um, who That he was going to just die like no one had thought, but he did. Um, but what I was going to say about that, his family broke the silence. For years, they never said that he meant anything to them, Um, probably contributing to Bob Saget's depression and eventual um, dying of what nobody knows, but we have to put uh, two and two together and say heartbreak. But then after he died, the family broke their silence and said that he was everything to them. And, you know, this is what, if you have people in your life that you don't tell how you feel about them, if you hold things back from the people in your life you never know that they might need to hear some nice words from you just to know that, like, everything is okay. Don't wait until... Don't be like Bob Saget's family and wait till after he dies to break your silence. Break your silence before the person dies because you never know. You never know when uh, when you're going to get canceled, you know? Bob Saget, I know he made a lot of offensive jokes over the years, and a lot of people thought that it would never come for him either. But you know what? That's, you know, that's part of, part of the, part of life. So, um yeah, let's just, you know, a moment of silence. Or you know what? Not a moment of silence. Uh Thank you, Bob Saget, for giving us, um, giving us all those years of of your mirth. And uh it's sad when somebody dies. You know why? Because... Just like the planks on that boat, eventually we're all going to get replaced with new planks. Um, And then we will be like those old planks, just forgotten in in the expanse of the sea.